Well, good morning, uh, sisters and brothers. Uh, we begin a new series today in 1 Peter, uh, and this morning we're looking at chapter 1, verses uh, 1 and 2, and then the last uh, three verses of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Let me lead us in prayer uh, as we begin. Heavenly Father, we pray that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit, through your Word, uh, as we uh, look at it together this morning. Uh, we pray that you'll be working in our hearts uh, and that you will be changing us uh, into the image of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are living in stressful times, aren't we? Our COVID-19 seems to be out of control here in Malaysia. And most of us have friends or loved ones who have been infected. Some of us may have been infected ourselves. And all of us are in the middle of another lockdown. And for some people, that's particularly hard. Uh, it can be hard at a personal level if you live alone or with people you find difficult, or if you're trying to look after young children as delightful as they may be. Uh, it can be hard economically as businesses suffer and people lose their jobs. It can be hard spiritually as you miss out on seeing your brothers and sisters who love and encourage you. It can be hard for all kinds of reasons. We are living in stressful times. And one of the things we need to be certain of as we navigate these challenges is who we are. In the midst of all the insecurities we face around us, we need to be sure of our own identity. Uh, and our world will want to define that for us in its own way. Uh, the world would like to define us by race, by family grouping, by educational background, by profession, by social standing, by a host of other things. But, but that is not how God defines us, and that's not how God wants us to define ourselves. And if God is God, then the true measure of who we are is who God declares us to be. So how does God want us to define ourselves? What is our true identity? Who are we really? Well, the Apostle Peter has a lot to say about identity to the Christians he writes to in the letter we begin this morning. Now, many years before this, Peter had been a fisherman, but he was called by Jesus to follow him as a disciple. He was one of Jesus' closest friends, but then he denied Jesus when he was arrested. After his uh, resurrection, uh, Jesus forgave Peter and commissioned him to feed his sheep. And Peter boldly proclaimed the risen Christ on the day of Pentecost, stood up to the authorities again and again who tried to stop him. And Peter went on to preach the gospel in many places to many people. But when he writes this letter, he's not just writing as a disciple or a preacher, but in verse 1 of chapter 1, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle of Jesus Christ is someone who is personally appointed by the risen Christ as his representative to speak on his behalf. And so when Peter writes this letter, he does so with the delegated authority of Jesus himself. But he doesn't write alone. Now, if you go to the end of the letter, uh, to chapter 5, verse 12, uh, Peter tells us that he has had help from a faithful brother named Silvanus. Now, it's possible that Silvanus was like a secretary who took dictation uh, as Peter spoke, but it's more likely that he was the messenger who carried the letter for Peter. Uh, they didn't have post laju or lala move in those days, uh, and so someone needs to take the letter to the people that it's meant to go to. And there at the end of the letter, people, Peter will also uh, look back and reflect on the purpose of the letter. Uh, he says in chapter 5 verse 12, uh, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Uh, so as we come to this letter, we expect it to bear witness to God's wonderful grace, the amazing things he has done for us and will do for us in Jesus Christ, even though we don't deserve it. And we expect to be encouraged and urged and implored to stand firm in that grace in spite of whatever stressors we are facing. It seems likely that Peter was writing from Rome, for he says in chapter 5, verse 12, 
uh, chapter 5, verse 13, that he sent, that she who is at Babylon sends greetings. At Babylon, in Israel's history, uh, was the capital of the empire, the center of worldly power and opposition to God. And that was the same true of uh, Rome in the first century. And so she who is chosen in Babylon is probably code for Christians in Rome. Early church historians also tell us that Peter was executed by the Emperor Nero in Rome in AD 64, and this letter was probably written a few years before that. The other person mentioned in 513 uh, is uh, Mark. Right? He's the one who wrote Mark's Gospel. Again, this is not surprising uh, because we know from other sources that Mark got his information from Peter for writing his gospel. Uh, and so Peter ends the letter with greetings from the church in Rome and from Mark, uh, as well as a command for Christians he is writing to in 5 verse 14 to greet each other with a kiss of love. Right? There are some greetings that are possible from a distance. Uh, there are some greetings that's only possible when you're physically present. Right? Peter can't give them a kiss of love or a hug or a handshake or, or a high five. Um, it's an acknowledged limitation. So he calls on them to greet each other, but he can greet them. He can pass on greetings from the church in Rome. And he can, in verse 14, wish them God's peace. And he can and he does write this incredible letter to declare to them the true grace of God and encourage them to stand firm in it. Uh, and our amazing God has even used that limitation to bring blessing to millions of people around the world who can now read this letter, including us at St. Mary's today. Uh, so friends, even as we grieve the fact that we cannot be together physically this morning, and even as we acknowledge the limitations of this online service as a way of gathering, let us not underestimate the power and wisdom of our great God who can use even these limitations for his good purposes. So Peter is writing from Rome to people who are far away. Where are they? Well, go back to the first verse of the letter, and we see there that they are in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, all places in what we now know as Turkey. And Christians in that area were going through a hard time. At that stage, being a Christian was not illegal. Christians weren't being systematically killed or exterminated. There was no official empire-wide persecution, though there might have been some persecution from local city authorities. And most of the problem that Christians were facing were discrimination and verbal abuse from other people, like colleagues or friends or family members, and in case of slaves, a mistreatment by their owners. But all that is still suffering for the sake of Christ, and actually things are getting worse in their society. And so perhaps realizing that Peter is preparing the believers for more active persecution that would come their way. They too lived in stressful times, and their stress level was about to rise. To help God's people in times of stress and prepare them for more stressful times ahead, the very first thing the Spirit does through Peter here is remind them of their identity. And that's what he does for us as well. Uh, for here in verse 1 of chapter 1, uh, he calls the believers elect exiles of the dispersion. Elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, what does that mean? Uh, the word elect simply means chosen. Right? When the emergency is over and we have an election, we will vote to choose who our new member of parliament is going to be. Uh, Israel of old was chosen to be God's people. They were his elect. Christ was the chosen one, and now in Christ, those who believe in him, we are the chosen ones. We are the elect. We were chosen by God to belong to him. And that is a very, very precious thing, isn't it? Right? Something you can't buy and you can't earn. You can only be grateful for God's gift to the undeserving. We are God's chosen people. But being chosen by God has a cost to it as well. 
because it puts us in different relationship with the world. With regard to the world, we are exiles of the dispersion. The word exiles there in verse 1 is a word for foreigners or strangers or sojourners, someone who lives in a place where he doesn't belong. Uh, the word dispersion there is the word for diaspora. It's a scattering, right? It's originally used to speak about the, the scattering of the Jews throughout the Roman Empire. Because uh, at that time, you know, there were 7 million Jews in the Roman Empire, about 15% of the population, but only 1 million lived in Palestine. The rest were scattered throughout the nations. Like the Indians and Chinese today, they were a significant minority in many countries. And just like the Jews were scattered in the dispersion, we Christians are scattered as well. Uh, the original readers of this letter were scattered throughout Turkey. Most of us are scattered throughout the Klang Valley or other parts of Malaysia, some even overseas. Uh, but both they and us actually belong in heaven. We are exiles in this world. Uh, here in Malaysia, there are many foreign workers who do not have permanent residence here. And one day they will have to leave. Uh, we do not have permanent residence in this world. We are only here on a temporary visa. And we don't even know when that's going to expire. Our home, our citizenship, our permanent place of abode is in heaven. And so our identity, our way of life, our goals, our values, our standards, our ways of thinking are bound up with that. We are different from the people around us. We actually don't belong here. And some people will think we are strange or we don't fit in or we spoil the, the monochromatic world they're trying to create. And we can expect to be misunderstood or standard or maligned or persecuted. That, that would be normal. We have been chosen to be citizens of heaven, but we are scattered throughout the earth. We are elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, there are three things about being elect exiles which Peter wants to point out to us here. Firstly, he tells us the basis for God's election. He says our election, in verse 2, was according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In other words, God elected us, he chose us, because he knew us and he loved us even before we were born. In fact, other parts of the Bible tell us it was before the foundation of the world. Right? God chose us not because we were better than anyone else or smarter or, or more righteous or more deserving, but, but simply out of his own goodness and kindness to us, the undeserving. And so from beginning to end, our salvation is really from God's mercy. So we've got no right to look down on anyone else because of it. And on the last day, it will be God, not us, who gets the glory because of it. Right? We are elect because of the foreknowledge of God. Now, secondly, Peter tells us how this election is put into effect. It is how God's choice makes us into exiles. We are exiles in the world in or by, verse 2, the sanctification of the Spirit. Right? The sanctification of the Spirit. Right? To be sanctified simply means to be made holy. God is holy. He is completely different from everything else and everyone else. And everything that is set apart exclusively for him is also called holy. Right? So in the Old Testament, there were holy things, the temple, the priests, the sacrifices. In the New Testament, Jesus is the ultimate holy one. And if the Holy Spirit has united us with Jesus, then we are holy as well. Set apart from the rest of the world, the Spirit has marked us out as different for God and for his service. So even before we do anything different, we already are different. That is just, just our standing. Uh, and so we are unlike everyone else in the world. Wherever we go, whether in church or at work or at home or at school or at the shopping center, we belong to Jesus. The Spirit has made us His. Even when we are at lock up at home, we are His. The Spirit has made us holy people. And that very fact makes us exiles in this world. That is just our identity. That's just 
who we are, God's holy people. Uh, thirdly, Peter shows us God's purpose in giving us this new identity. Why did he make us to be his elect exiles? Well, the end of verse 2 tells us that it's for two things. And the first one is this, it is for obedience to Jesus Christ. Right? We were set apart as holy so that we would be obedient to Jesus. Right? If we are holy, we are set apart, we are different from the world around us. Why? So that we would act differently from them as well. And that's always been the case right throughout the right throughout history. Right? Let me read to you a, a second century document uh, from called the Epistle to Diognetus, right? Second century AD. It says this: For Christians are no different from other people in terms of their country, language, or customs. Nowhere do they inhabit cities of their own, use a strange dialect, or live life out of the ordinary. They live in their respective countries, but only as resident aliens. They participate in all things as citizens. They endure all things as foreigners. Every foreign territory is a homeland for them, every homeland foreign territory. They marry like everyone else and have children, but they do not expose them once they are born. They share their meals, but not their sexual partners. They are found in the flesh, but do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but participate in the life of heaven. They are obedient to the laws they have, that have been made, and by their own lives they supersede the laws. They love everyone and are persecuted by all. And friends, that's not just second century Christians, that's, that's meant to be us as well. We were elect, we were chosen by God for obedience to Jesus Christ. What difference does being an elect exile make to you in this lockup? Uh, what do you do or not do that is different from what you would have done if you didn't belong to Jesus? Because brothers and sisters, we are different from the world. What we do in our lockup, what we do on social media, what we do on the internet, uh, what we do it must be different from the world because we were set apart, right? A holy, a sanctified by the Spirit. Uh, we, we know we, we can't speak in ungodly ways. We can't do immoral things because we are holy. Can you imagine uh, taking holy things from the Old Testament temple and using them to clean the toilet? That would be, be terrible sacrilege, wouldn't it? But worse, can you imagine taking holy eyes, eyes that have been set apart for God and, and using them to view pornography on the internet? Or can you imagine taking holy lips, lips that have been chosen and set apart for God and, and using them to spread gossip and slander? Uh, can you imagine taking holy hands, hands that have been sanctified for obedience to Jesus and, and using them to hit your spouse? No, 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 no. no. We are different. We are made different so that we would be different. We cannot live as our sinful nature would want us to live. We've been chosen and set apart for a purpose that is to be obedient to Jesus. That's why we were set apart. The second reason we were set apart for in verse 2 is for sprinkling with his blood. Right? In the Old Testament, our Old Testament reading, God made a covenant with his chosen people, Israel, back at Mount Sinai. And the people said, we will obey God, and Moses sprinkled them with the blood of bulls. And brothers and sisters, we have been chosen by the Father. We have been set apart by the Spirit to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ. God has brought us under the new covenant through the sacrificial death of his son. Christ died on the cross for our sins in our place. He sacrificed himself to take our sin and our punishment on himself. And so when the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts, we said, yes, we will obey. We will trust in Jesus as our risen Lord. And his blood is sprinkled on us. His sacrificial death is applied to us. And by his blood, we were freed from the penalty of sin, released from the guilt of sin, cleansed from the filth of sin. And now we can stand before God completely forgiven, totally accepted, perfectly clean, not by our own goodness, but through the precious blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled on our hearts. 
And God did this so that we would be his forgiven covenant people, bought with the price of his own blood. We were chosen by the Father. We were set apart by the Spirit to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ. And so, friends, let's remember that is part of our identity as well. In times of stress, sometimes people, even believers, get overwhelmed with guilt. If you're a believer and you're tempted to despair because of the guilt of your sin, remember, Jesus died for you. His blood was shed for you to pay for your sin so that you don't need to. God chose you to be sprinkled with his blood. His sacrifice was applied to you and you no longer bear the guilt of your sin. It has been washed away. That is God's promise, God's covenant with you. I will remember your sin no more. The purpose for which the Father chose you, the purpose for which the Spirit sanctified you was one, for obedience to Jesus, but not just for that, also for sprinkling with his blood. And you are now part of God's forgiven people. That too is your identity. Now, as we go on in this letter, we will see more things about our identity. We will see that we are living stones in God's temple. We will see we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We will see more of what it means to be sojourners and exiles and, and how to live as exiles in this world. But we have seen today, and we continue to see, that our identity is not from our race and educational background and profession and abilities and social standing. No, 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 no. Our true identity is from who we are in Christ. We are elect exiles and, and the reason for that election. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany during the Second World War. Uh, he was put into prison, eventually executed for his part in a plot against Hitler. One of the things he wrote from his prison cell in his time of stress was this piece called who am I? Let me read it to you. Who am I? They often tell me. I stepped from my cell's confinement, calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me. I used to speak to my wardens clearly, freely, uh, freely and friendly and clearly, as though it were mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me I bore the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I myself know of myself? Restless and longing and sick like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colours, for flowers, for the voices of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighbourliness, tossing in, ex tossing in expectations of great events, powerlessly trembling for friends at an infinite distance, weary and empty at praying, at thinking and making, faint and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I, this or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once a hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptible, woe-begone weakling? Or is something within me still like a beaten army, fleeing in disorder from victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. Brothers and sisters, no matter what our struggle, no matter what our problems, no matter what we face, we belong to Jesus. We are, by God's grace, the elect, chosen by God, to be holy, set apart by his spirit, chosen to be obedient to Jesus, to be sprinkled with his blood, but also chosen to be exiles, foreigners in a place where we were born, different from the rest of the world, and so prone to discrimination, marginalization, persecution, 
and that's just normal. We're elect exiles who have our home in heaven. So let's remember our identity and embrace that identity. And so think and live as elect exiles in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have chosen us to be set apart by your Spirit, to be obedient to your Son, and sprinkled with his blood. I thank you that you have given us our eternal home in heaven. And thank you that we, we and we know, Lord, that that makes us elect exiles in this world. Uh, in these times of stress, help us to remember who we are. Uh, give us a deep sense of security in our identity, a deep assurance of forgiveness through the blood of Christ, and a determination to live obedient lives as your holy people. And please help us to be realistic about our position in this world as elect exiles. Uh, to seek the good of those among whom we live, but to know that we do not ultimately belong. And so to long for our true home, our inheritance, our promised land, where we will be with you forever. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.